The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. It is in our interest as venture capitalists to invest in the best of all possible companies. And it's ridiculous to sit here and say the best of all possible companies, well, 97% of the time they will have a male CEO. I mean, it's just exactly counter to everyone's opinions. That was Kamal Hassan, founder of Canada-based Loyal VC, telling me how the venture capital industry is failing to allocate money economically because funds consistently overlook companies set up by women. Welcome back to The Exchange, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views that explores some of the big questions in business and finance with expert guests. I am Lisa Yuka, the European business editor of Breaking Views, and for this week's episode, I'm trying to understand how to smash the glass ceiling that is holding back female entrepreneurs. Despite founding nearly half of new businesses in the United States, women entrepreneurs get at best just 3% of venture capital money allocated each year, a proportion that has been pretty much constant over a decade. This, argues financial veteran Hassan, is clearly a sign that financiers are not allocating their money wisely and missing out on potentially lucrative deals. Hassan, whose loyal VC fund starts with Steed's investments but keeps funding companies over their different life stages, says investment quotas but also a novel approach to pitches would make a significant difference. To understand what could be changed and how, listen on. Welcome, Kamal. Uh, it's lovely to have you here uh, today on the exchange uh, with uh, Reuters Breaking Views. Uh, it was a pleasure uh, to meet you uh, in Milan not so long ago when uh, you had an event linked uh, to your fund, Loyal uh, VC, and uh, we had an interesting conversation at the time uh, on how to fund more female entrepreneurs. And, you know, I kind of felt that we could continue our conversation here uh, today uh, and just really discuss uh, this important uh, topic. I mean, one of the things, uh, Kamal, that I had uh, noticed is that while there's been progress, uh, in particular at board level over the last two decades, I would say, um, in in encouraging and uh, allowing more women uh, to get on boards. So we do have more diverse boards and, and there's been, you know, some regulatory changes even in countries to encourage that. Um, it kind of seems that when 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 it comes to um, funding companies started by women, uh, we're still very much behind. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, I would ask you, as a founding partner of a global fund uh, that uh, is a seed fund, but also focuses on partnering with companies throughout the various stages of their life, to, to sort of help me um, get a sense of what works and what is not working. Uh, also, because I obviously know you're an advocate for uh, more diverse investment and, and also the economic rationale, rationale of doing that. So, uh, again, you know, great to have you here. Uh, and, and maybe just let's kick off this conversation uh, 
I'd like to ask you, you know, can you tell us a little bit how the industry, the visa industry has evolved over the past few years and what you've noticed um, in, in, you know, in the field of kind of diverse uh, equality and, and, and diversity? Uh, well, so funding of female entrepreneurs has been a, a, a growing topic over probably at least the last 10 years. I mean, people have started to recognize that there is uh, uh, um, that uh, VC funding tends to, to, to sort of focus to a subset of the entrepreneur market. Um, the big thing we've seen is there's been a there. It's been really interesting. A lot of people have assumed that there is sort of uh, latent uh, tendencies for VCs to fund people who look and sound more like them. So the result is that many, uh, uh, there's been a large push to get more women working as investing partners in venture capital funds because the presumption is, okay, well, so many men have been investing, that's why men are funded, let's get more women investing and then the view should be that the result be more women are funding. Funded. What's really interesting is there are now, I think, depending on the stats you look at, I've seen stats for, for uh, increases of from less than 10% to well over 20% of the investing uh, decision makers in venture funds uh, uh, over the past decade. There's been a sort of more than doubling the number of women working as venture funds. There's a lot of venture funds where uh, founded by women, there's a lot of women partners looking for venture funds funded by women. But what's interesting is the percentage of VC dollars going to companies with the woman CEO has flatlined at about 3% over that time. Um, so we're trying to fix, we've been making assumptions about what the source of the problem is, which is uh, we, the, the venture capitalists and fund people like them. Um, I don't think that's been accurate. In fact, I, I, I meet many male VCs who are asking us, how do you as a firm find so many women to invest in? Where can we find them? We want to invest in more women. But interestingly, um, uh, there are uh, many women who are starting uh, new businesses every year. And I was kind of just checking some statistics uh, in the U.S. I think, you know, the most recent ones were showing that, you know, over 40 percent of new businesses founded every year in the U.S. are, are founded and led uh, in many cases by, by women. So there is an abundance Potentially, the pool is large, right? But still, as you say, there's a trickle that goes to that very large pool. Um, so, so what do you think are the hurdles? You know, so so why is that? You know, and are there solutions we can approach? For instance, I mean, we were mentioning before boardrooms. Um, much uh, improvement has been achieved uh, by encouraging or in some cases even mandating quotas. And in the EU where I reside, I mean, I'm based in Italy at the moment, the average now across the EU is like uh, about a third of uh, listed company boards are made up uh, of women. So there seems, you know, to have been uh, a tangible result, if you want, you know, with with some of these quotas. Is, is that an approach that can be used in VC funding? So I, I, one of the things to step back is to really not lose sight of why we do this. 
And there's a number of people who look at this as sort of a social justice activity and lose sight of the fact that it's actually really good economics. So for instance, on boards, there's a lot of information and studies out there that show that diverse groups of people make better decisions than people who are less diverse than groups that are less diverse. So you look for diversity on a board, not because you're looking for representation, but because you actually want the board, the companies to be governed better because better governed companies are in the interest of all the shareholders. So it's interesting that we're sort of putting quotas in place to encourage people to do something which is really good for them. I mean, similarly in venture capital, it is in our interest as venture capitalists to invest in the best of all possible companies. And it's ridiculous to sit here and say the best of all possible companies, well, 97% of the time they will have a male CEO. I mean, it's just exactly counter to everyone's opinions, but it's it's really funny that we're we're sort of pushing people to use quotas to make good decisions. And I think that's actually, if we tr turn to venture capital, that is the sort of the heart of the solution here is venture capitalists invest other people's money. We invest the money of our limited partners and limited partners should be setting, I believe, soft quotas, not because they want a quota to be set, but because they want to be sure that they are pushing the people who invest their money to make the best possible decisions on where that money goes. And if we're making the best possible decisions, we, we cannot say we're making the best possible decisions about who got that money if we're giving it all to a certain subset of humanity and ignoring the rest of humanity where there are lots of amazing entrepreneurs as well. So that's really why, so I do think would make sense as a limited partner, if I were a limited partner giving money to venture capitalists, I would set targets and quotas to say, look, if you've got less than 10% of your money, which is three times the industry average today, you got less than 10% of your money going to women or less than 10% of your money going to ethnic minorities or whatever it is in the region you're investing in, then I will know as a limited partner that you have seen a subset of the best company, you funded a subset of the best companies, but you've missed some really great ones. So I actually think that's where it needs to start. Now there are challenges because limited partners um, have a fiduciary duty to make sure the money go, the, the money is uh, invested for the benefit of the people they manage for. For instance, a pension plan, you wanna make sure the pension, the, 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 the people who receive the pensions get good pensions. So you feel this fiduciary duty. So everyone's afraid to step up there and put a quota in place. Cause it's like, no, I don't want to constrain the venture capitalists to not invest in the best companies, but you're actually encouraging them <laughs> to invest in the best companies because you're saying the process, the way you're doing it right now isn't working <laughs> very clearly. So I want to make sure that whatever you do, use a process to get to the best of all possible companies. So would the argument really be that, you know, there's a, well, I mean, all these funds that are not looking at uh, maybe companies led by women or companies led by, you know, uh, ethnic minority representatives are missing out because, you know, there's this kind of large pool of potential big opportunity that is ignored or almost ignored, we would say, by, by VC money. I mean, is, is this, let's say, the, the economic argument? And and Absolutely. do you have experience also from your sort of day-to-day -day investing um, experience, you know, that actually in placing bets, you know, in these categories offers uh, good returns? 
So absolutely, I would say that that, that that is the heart of the argument, is that there's a lot of money to be made. And in fact, there was a good study out by BCG, I think back in 2016, which looked at the returns from backing female entrepreneurs versus male entrepreneurs. And they found that female entrepreneurs generated more than two times the revenues per dollar invested than male entrepreneurs did. And I mean, you could start off, start that conversation off by saying, okay, well, women are better at business than men are because they make you more money. So you should invest more in women. And I don't believe that statement either. I mean, I think this is just a reflection of the fact that money is not being allocated to the best of all possible entrepreneurs. So those very few women who get it will of course be the exceptional women because the, the very good ones are not getting it because an average man is funded instead. So um, to me, that, that's what makes sense of the data. But I mean, the data is pretty clear there that you make two times more money investing in women. So <laughs> strong economic argument to say you should be investing in women. Um, our venture fund is only five years old. So I have a lot of experience. I mean, 30% uh, of our portfolio companies are 33 or 34% of our portfolio companies have a woman CEO. Um, which, by the way, is about what we expect because I am in venture capital. So we do tend to invest more in companies which are tech based. And although, as you said, in the US, well over 40 percent um, of all businesses are started by women. If you look at engineering schools, you typically have more like a 30 ish percent of students who are uh, who are uh, women. So using uh, engineering schools as a proxy for tech. Um, or look at MBA programs, again, they're sort of 30, 35% women. So if we, if we look at those as sort of comparable pools, we should expect 30 to 35% of VC fundable companies, which are really more tech-based, more uh, 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 that, that sort of company as opposed to smaller businesses, that's the numbers we should be seeing, which is exactly what we see. Um, so we've experienced investing a lot of women. Um, the uh, I hesitate to tell you about returns because our fund is only five years old. So as, as a fund as a whole, we have excellent returns. It's actually a good question. We've never run the returns to date on investing in women versus investing in men. So that's actually a data set we should run because we've got uh, sort of over 100 women we've invested in and uh, uh, sort of a couple hundred men and 200 and change men. So we should we should compare those two data sets to see. I can't give you the data. What I can tell you is that the reason we can is because we invest very differently. And one of the big differences that we use in how we invest is that um, the, the venture capital process is built around pitches. And there's some really good data out of a study in Harvard uh, a few years back where they took an identical pitch uh, voiced by male and female actors done to an audience of people who were supposed to rate it for investment. And uh, with pictures of the actors um, and either sort of very good looking or less good looking uh, people shown as the pictures. And what they found is the same pitch with the same script, the same slides, the same everything, if presented by a good looking man was more likely to be funded than if uh, presented by a not so good looking man, which was themselves were more likely to be funded if presented than if presented by any woman. Um, so we know this process that we have a tendency to like to want to invest in good looking men. Um, but that's really got nothing to do with the business success. I mean, I've, I've, I've not seen any data out there that says, uh, 
that businesses started by good-looking men are more likely to succeed. And if you think of the biggest businesses you know and the founders of those businesses, you're not likely to say that those are good-looking men who have founded those businesses. So, so we may have some, you know, they are normally called unconscious biases that somehow, you know, they 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 muddle the the, the pitches process, the pitch process, which is the core uh, of, you know, the, the selection of where the money goes um, within the VC industry. So, what would be a better way? Because you know, often these pitches are delivered in person, and you know, there yeah. is a whole, um, you know, presentation and all of that. So. Uh, is there a better approach to remove, you know, to kind of eliminate those biases that, that obviously exist? Yeah, no, there's a couple of firms in Silicon Valley, one uh, out of uh, Canada originally, which has really been uh, looking at uh, funding companies based solely on the numbers and never even hearing a pitch, just saying, fill in this questionnaire, we'll look at the numbers and we'll fund you. And those companies, those funds have generally funded about 30% women entrepreneurs. So that has been a sort of very clear. So that's solution number one is you can just look at the numbers. The second solution is there's a there's a there's a uh, phenomenon which has been studied, which is called people call it the confidence gap. But it's really I mean, it's a misnomer because uh, generally speaking, men, uh, a, a number of men tend to be extremely self-confident and overestimate their own abilities. And uh, women are much more likely to have a more accurate uh, self-assessment of their own abilities. So when you ask someone to talk about themselves, you will generally find men are more likely to describe themselves in glowing terms than women are. So what we do and the way we get around that is we never actually listen to a pitch from the entrepreneur, but we do ask for references. Because if you ask a woman to talk about herself, she'll have a tendency perhaps to be more modest. But if you ask a woman to talk about her friend, she'll tell you how amazing her friend is and that all that restraint drops away. Uh, so that's what we do is we actually, um, when we're funding entrepreneurs, we don't hear from them, but we actually do reference calls with investors in their business already, with people who have been advising them during the growth of their business, because we find that the feedback we get from there is much has much less gender bias in it. And I mean, look, we're trying to get the best companies, so use an approach which is going to make the best decisions. And we think using references as opposed to a pitch actually helps us do that. Do, do you believe that, you know, some of these, uh, um, you know, different approaches in presentations are also uh, true when it comes to, to diverse ethnicities, for instance, you know, maybe because of the, the cultural uh, background, you know, that some of these entrepreneurs may have that may not necessarily fit. And I'm saying, you know, with the Anglo-Saxon approach, which is, you know, the dominant uh, culture when it comes to, you know, VC funding and and and. and and, you know, finance in general. So, you know, is that also true for, for certain ethnic minorities, would you say? Yeah, you, you sort of want to split apart the ethnicity of someone from their skill with language. So, of course, somebody who, who for whom English is a third language and they're trying to present in English or same thing in Italian, um, you definitely, yes, you, you present less well if you don't have full command of the language. And that's very obvious. I mean, we've got one investment in our portfolio out of Taiwan. And uh, the business is a struggle for me to understand 
when I'm talking with him because I don't speak uh, Mandarin and his English uh, is capable, but only capable. Um, but I, when you look at the numbers and what the company has been uh, achieving with the numbers, it's remarkable. So, I mean, so, so that's sort of one thing you want to just tr try to get over is a language thing. Um, you know, it's really hard for me to comment on the ethnicity. I mean, look, 40, if you use the U.S. definition of entrepreneurs of color, I think it's 47% of our entrepreneurs are of color. Um, so, uh, so for, it, it is really funny. I mean, the stat we, we threw out there, sort of 3% of VC dollars go to companies with a woman CEO. The stat I remember seeing somewhere, and I don't know what the most recent one was a couple of years ago, it was 0.06% of VC dollars that went to a company with a black woman CEO. Um, and I don't know, we've got uh, three, four, five black women CEOs in our portfolio right now. So uh, we've got, um, we, so, so for us, it has been a problem, but I, I honestly don't know how the ethnicity comes into it. And I haven't seen any good studies on how people treat people of other ethnicities. I do know I used to run an accelerator program for the Founder Institute in uh, Toronto. Um, but one of the things I noticed when running the Founder, uh, Founder Institute program is that more than half of the people doing it in Toronto were new immigrants and listening to their stories. I mean, immigrants within the past five years or so to Toronto and listening to their stories, I heard over and over again, why? Because even though Canada is very used to immigration and perhaps because it's used to immigration, it's often very hard for somebody to jump immediately in at the level they were working at abroad into a similar position in Canada. And often people come in, they find the, uh, the sort of the established business circles harder to break into. But if you're an entrepreneur, nobody looks at you and says, where are you from? What do you do? They say, do you have a good product? I want to buy it. Okay, great. I want to buy your product. I'll buy it. So I did see an overrepresentation of immigrants in the, uh, in the entrepreneurship space. Indeed. So if we were to um, somehow, you know, we, we're here trying to come up, you know, with strategies in this conversation and suggestions that, you know, uh, others could maybe follow to try and shatter, let's say, the glass ceiling, which exists, you know, within VC funding. Um, uh, and unfortunately, still there, even though in other areas, uh, there's been improvement. Um, you know, is there a way to overcome, for instance, resistance by pension funds? Um, I mean, is the economic argument uh, the, the one that would move them? I mean, sh should they promote, you know, a different pitch uh, uh, approach, as you suggested? Because it kind of seems to me that really there's very, very little progress in this area and hardly anyone is talking about it. So it's almost like a forgotten corner, uh, you know, of the financial world. Well, I would say the first thing to do is to just ask everyone to be transparent about their data. So that is one of the first things I would ask is if you're running a pension plan, you should uh, ask at a minimum for the, the people you fund to report to you what the background is of the CEOs. And by the way, I'm focusing very much on CEOs here. It's really funny. The the industry has sort of co-opted the journalists who write about this and the journalists who write about this, whenever a VC talks to a company, and if 
they're asked to talk to one of the founders. They say, I want to talk to the CEO. And as a VC, it's like always you go to the CEO, if the CFO or if the CTO wants to talk to you. It's like, look, I, I want to talk to the CEO, the person in charge. So in our industry, we always emphasize the CEO. It's an easy one person who is in charge of the business, who has legal responsibility towards their investors. Yet when you see all the reports out of the industry, the industry talks about the gender balance of the founders. And they say, how many companies have all male founders? How many companies have mixed male and female founders? How many have all female founders? Um, because they're, I mean, I think ultimately it started because the industry was pushing back to try to make themselves look good, but it's a really confusing how you define a founder, what's up, just talk CEOs. Um, it's easy, you know who the CEO of the company is, you can report on them. So what do you do as a pension plan? Number one, you ask for this information and you ask for this information, not for virtue signaling. As I said, you ask for this information as part of your fiduciary duty to evaluate if companies are making good decisions. You know that they make two times more money, two times per, more revenue per dollar invested from investing in a female run company. So ask them how many women they're, women they're investing in. And if it's 3%, they're probably missing something and you should be using it to value. So, so I would say, first of all, just ask for the data. The more that every fund in our industry were completely transparent about who they're funding, what their mix is, that would be a start. The second thing, as I said, understand fiduciary duty makes best, means the best possible returns and ask yourself the obvious question, how can it be the best possible returns of all of humanity if I've got a fund that is funding only the best possible white men. Just doesn't make sense. So I think that is an understanding of fiduciary return. Fiduciary duty means looking for good returns and diversity of who's being invested in is a signal to, of the quality of decisions and hence a signal of the likelihood of getting good returns out of that fund. Okay. Well, um, thank you, Kamal. I mean, I think you've given us, you know, a really great overview and also some, you know, uh, pragmatic uh, approaches to maybe how to change the situation. I mean, uh, starting from uh, just uh, giving the data out properly. I mean, that already would be an incredible progress because uh, indeed, as you say, often I see stats mentioning, um, you know, uh, female founded or you know like at least one woman on the board or, or, or things like that which somehow uh, obviously blurs the picture um, and and you know um, I would love to stay in touch you know also in the future to see whether you know there is a bit of an improvement uh, of the approach or the overall you know discussion uh, within the industry it was a great of you to join us today on the exchange Thanks again, Kamal. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Taslich in London. Subscribe to The Exchange and to our sister podcast, The Views Room, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or elsewhere. Check us every day on breakingviews.com or on Twitter, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. 
to the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.